Welcome everyone. My name is Darren Snow and I am the senior pastor at Crossroads Community Church in Aurora, Illinois. And I am so glad that you are joining us for today's podcast of our weekly Sunday sermon. Good morning, saints. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Some of you know what time it is. It's generosity ladder time. Some of you know that. I can see the looks on some of your faces. It is good to have you here in the house of the Lord this morning. If you are visiting with us, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, my name is Darren Snow, and uh, I'm the senior pastor here at Crossroads. And on behalf of Pastor Caleb and Tasha and all of our uh, elders and pastoral staff, all of our staff, we want to welcome you here. For those of you that are watching us online, we want to welcome you uh, as well, as this is now week number three, week number three of our series on biblical generosity that uh, we've called A Generous Heart. And if you have your B-I-B-L-E's, and I hope that you do, I want you to open them up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to get there. It's going to take a little bit to get there, but just hang tight. I promise I won't forget about it. But we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, if you are visiting with us this week, uh, let me get you up to speed. It won't take too long. This is just week number three. Week number one, we talked about treasure. And specifically, we talked about the difference between earthly treasure and heavenly treasure. Uh, we talked about the difference between the temporal and the eternal, if you remember that. Then last week, Pastor Caleb led us into a conversation regarding trust. So we went from treasures to both, by the way, in Matthew chapter 6 was the text for the last couple of weeks. And what he talked about was how living a generous life, and when we say generous life, we mean well-rounded, holistically, time, talent, and treasure. But if we're going to truly live a generous life, that requires uh, trusting in God and His provision, which is easier said than done based upon you know, where you may be financially in your life. And both of those, no doubt, issues of the heart. And we're going to pull that thread again this morning. Now, today we are going to talk very, very practically uh, about money and about tithing. A friend of mine sent me a, a, a meme this week that I started laughing. And the meme was, I had this young lady, and she had that look of, oh, like, oh, no, right? Uh, and underneath it, it was that Sunday when you invite a visitor to church with you and the pastor's talking about money, right? And you get a, oh, no, of all, <laughs> of all Sunday, okay? I want you to take a deep breath now, all right? We're going to talk about money. We're going to be talking about tithing, which I'm telling you always, always, always brings up lots of reactions. It always brings up lots of emotions that run the gamut, uh, some defensiveness sometimes. Sometimes it's, you know, a little bit of guilt. Well, I know there's something I should be doing. It. Maybe I'm not. Uh, irritation. Uh, they're irritation sometimes a, a, a little bit. All right. Don't be irritated with me, Lisa. Okay. Kind of that. I knew it. I knew it. All they wanted to, all they want is my money. Okay. So if that's you, and that's been me, okay. Take a deep breath. All is good. Okay. I'm not going to say anything that's going to guilt you. First of all, because guilt doesn't work. If guilt worked, I might try it. Okay. But guilt doesn't work. All right. It doesn't work. I'm not going to do any of that. I, I don't want you to let your defenses down. Okay. Don't be irritated at me. But instead, we're going to do this morning what we always do, no matter what the topic may be. What do we do? We open up our Bibles. We look and see what the Lord has to say with an open mind and with an open heart. So that's what we're going to do this morning. And then I've got a couple of thoughts that I want to, uh, that I want to share with you. Okay? So let's start first with a really, really churchy, churchy word, and that word is tithe. You could probably go your entire life and never hear that word 
outside of the church. Some of you may have grown up in, uh, in a church where you never heard that word anyway. Right? So when we say that one word tithe, what does that mean? Well, it's really simple. What a tithe means is simply this, a tenth part. That's all it means. It's a tenth. And uh, that is a principle that we're going to see here that was first introduced in the Old Testament. And it goes back to the Old Testament. And the principle of giving back to God, kind of 10% being this, this guideline. Uh, the first time that we see this, and, and we see it a lot actually in the Old Testament, the first time that we see it is in the Old Testament law in the book of Leviticus. All right. How many of you love to read the book of Leviticus? You're lying. Good. Not one of you raised your hand, okay? It's in the Bible for a reason. All right, one of these days, Caleb, we're going to do a series on Leviticus. And let's take like two years and go through it, see if we can thin the crowd a little bit, shall we? Okay? No, you're somebody like groaning already. I, <laughs> I'm just kidding, and you're groaning. Okay, Leviticus chapter 27, verses 30 through 32. I'm going to read this real quick, okay? And here we go. Every tithe of the land. That's the first time we see the word. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And every tithe of herd and flocks, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. So again, the tithe, this principle of the tithe is introduced here in the Old Testament. But you see it multiple places in the Old Testament. Right now, my own personal Bible reading, I'm in Deuteronomy. see it a lot in the book of Deuteronomy. So it's all over the place there. Okay, The primary purpose of the Old Testament tithe uh, was the support of God's work specifically through a group known as the Levites. So that was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Levi was one of the, the, the sons of Jacob. And God gave to the Levites when they were getting ready to go into the promised land. He gave them a very special mission and commission, which in large part included taking care of the poor, the widows, and the orphans. Now, I want to give you just a little bit of cultural context regarding the Old Testament tithe, just, just to help kind of flesh this out. So we're setting a little bit of a foundation before we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So one thing that I want you to remember, maybe you, you weren't even aware of this, but if you go back to the Old Testament and the way that Israel as a government was run, especially as they went into the Promised Land, Israel was a theocracy. Ever heard that word before? It was a theocracy. In other words, their government was ruled according to and along religious guidelines. So God was, in fact, um, the head of state, if you will. Even though you go through the time of the judges, you go to the time of the kings, where we had King David and Solomon, all of those guys. So you had kings, okay, but it very much was a theocracy. Not the same as in the times of Jesus. And why do I say that? Because by that time, uh, the Jews, uh, Israel, had been under the thumb of another world power for a long, long time. You had the Greeks, and, and then at the time of Jesus, you had the Romans. Okay? So you, and so that didn't get completely thrown out. The Romans governed Israel, but if you were a first century Jew, you would still adhere to the principles of the Old Testament without a doubt. Everybody with me? Okay, here's another thing that you may not be aware of, and there would be uh, more than a few godly biblical scholars who would say that while this word that's translated into English tithe really worked as uh, a tax a God and government instituted tax believe it or not and I think there's truth to that 
Now, here's what's also really interesting. This tax, if you will, or tithe, would be applied in a lot of different ways and a lot of different circumstances, a lot of different times of the year, based upon all of the different festivals that were happening uh, as the nation of Israel. And there have been scholars that have added up the percentage of all of those. And so, again, you've got this 10% tithe, kind of this rule of thumb. Uh, but uh, a first century Jew, even before the time of Jesus, could give up to 20%. And I saw one scholar that said it's up to 23%. Now, I say that, not that I'm buttering you up, right, that we're going to go to 20% tithe or anything. We'll get to that later. But my point is you've got this rule of thumb of 10%, but, but that's what you have to look at it as. And again, we're going to dig into this deeper. So again, I'm just trying to give you some Old Testament context before we move into the New Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, the people were harshly rebuked when they failed to adhere to this principle. Uh, probably the most well-known of all of these, and I would say even before I read this, I believe what I'm about to read to you ha has been uh, misused for a long, long time and has been used to manipulate the church. Um, and that comes from Malachi chapter 3. Now, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because there's some principles here. Right, let me read it to you. Malachi 3. Will man rob God? Okay, God's being really straightforward here. Yet you, nation of Israel, you are robbing me. But you say, how? How have we robbed you, God? In your tithes and contributions. And look here. Right? Oh, man. You are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. There's a lot there. This is not going to be our primary text for this morning. A lot there. And again, just understand it in context. God was being very direct with the nation of Israel for a lot of different things, okay? But he was being very serious. You're not adhering to the principles that I have given to you. And again, I think that that text has been used out of context to manipulate a lot of times throughout the year. That's a sermon for another day. But the point here being, clearly, tithing and giving were biblical principles in the Old Testament. Now, that begs the question, what about the New Testament? And what about what we call the New Covenant? You may have never heard that term before. We are living in the New Covenant, not the Old Covenant. Based on, and the New Covenant was ushered in based upon uh, the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. He completely fulfilled the Old Testament law. So a lot of that that would have been applicable to a first century Jew after the time of Jesus, under the New Covenant, things change a little bit. Stay with me. Stay with me. Okay? So, what does the New Covenant have to say? Specifically then, what did Jesus himself have to say? Let me go to one verse. Again, I promise you we're going to get to 2 Corinthians 9. Stay with me. In Luke 11.42, just one verse, one, one statement that Jesus himself makes. Let me read it to you, Luke 11.42. He says, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe, now there's our word, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and yet, he says, you neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done. He's going back and talking about the tithing. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So Jesus is giving a rebuke to the Pharisees, and if you've ever read through your New Testament, that was not unusual. He was always, always rebuking the Pharisees, you know, the, the, the legalists, the really religious, religious guys. 
But don't miss what's going on now. He is pointing out their faithful tithing. He's saying, great, wonderful. But he's rebuking them nevertheless. Why? Because they're neglecting the love and the justice of God. He's saying you do the right thing, the former. He says you're giving, that's great, that's wonderful. But you're neglecting the latter, justice in the heart of God. In other words, what is he calling out here? This is going to be a shock after two weeks in this series. He's calling out their heart. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing, but you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. You're tithing, but you're tithing with a hardened heart. And you're neglecting the love and the justice of God. It's clear now. Let's keep pulling this thread now. Stay with me. It's clear now. Jesus is assuming the tithe, but I want you to be, I want you to notice something. If you look at uh, Luke eleven forty two, I want you to notice now that he is not speaking specifically to a financial tithe. It's agrarian. You say that? He says, for you tithe mint, ruin every herb. Now, is there a financial component to that? Well, of course there is. Because if, if, if you're a first century Jew and you go to the market and, and, and you buy the rue or the mint or you, you, know, you raise it or whatever it may be and you're giving away, there's still, a, but he, he's not talking specifically about greenbacks, about money in, in kind of the classic sense. Stay with me now. That, I think, begs the next question, I think it's an appropriate question, and that is, what did Jesus have to say? What did God have to say? So we're Trinitarians. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So what did God via the New Testament say specifically about a financial tithe and even more so specifically about this, you know, this rule of thumb, this 10%? What did he have to say? So I'm going to leave you hanging there for a moment. Okay, I promise I'm going to come back. I promise I'm going to answer that question. But I first want to give you um, a, a point of truth that is going to cover not only this topic, but will we'll cover basically the entire New Testament. And what I mean by this is Jesus specifically in the Gospels, God through the writers of the New Testament, primarily the Apostle Paul. Here's the point of truth. Saints, Jesus always raised the spiritual bar he never lowered it. Jesus was always encouraging and he was always challenging. Let me give you an example of this. So for those of you that are visiting, in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a seven-month uh, journey through the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's going to take us seven months to go through it. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. But we're going to see this principle played out over and over and over and in Jesus' te teaching. So later on when we get to Matthew chapter, well, we're going to do 5, 6, 7. In Matthew chapter 5, let me give you that, Jesus says this. He says, you know that you should not murder. And like, well, if, yes, we know that. We know that we should never physically take a life. But then what does he say immediately after that? He says, well, and let me paraphrase, he's saying murdering someone is not just taking a physical life. He says, if you are angry with your brother or sister, if you have murdered them in your heart, you're just as guilty. You see what I'm saying? He always raised the spiritual bar. He never lowered it. So with all that said, building that little bit of a foundation, we're finally going to get to 2 Corinthians 9, just three verses. Stay with me. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap 
sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully, I think we could say sacrificially there as well, will also reap bountifully. And then here we go, saints. Stay with me. Each one must give as he has decided in his or her heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So what Jesus says to us now, now Paul actually, you know, he wrote, but the writers were guided by God, the Holy Spirit, all right? So what God is giving to us here, let me use some synonyms, he says that we are to give, let me give you some words, generously, cheerfully, Let's smile. Mark, you're smiling. Good. Okay. Joyfully, sacrificially, not begrudgingly or cheaply. Do you see the principle here? And so I believe when we look at what we as an individual or what we or families are going to do uh, in terms of not only our time and talent, but specifically our treasure, I think there is a God-honoring process that we need to go through, and I think this goes directly back to Pastor Caleb's message from last week, where he was talking about trust. So I think, you know, this is not rocket science here, but what we do is we go to the Lord with open minds and open and trusting hearts, and we ask a real simple question. Lord, what would you have me have our family to give. And you don't go through that process quickly. Oh, yeah, Lord, tell me. Yeah, yeah. Take a deep breath. Spend some time. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time in the Word. Lord, what would you have my tithe? Throw out the 10%. What would you have my tithe? And when I say that, when I would you have my tithe to be, that would be my budgeted giving. That's not just my excess, but what would you have my budgeted giving to be? Some people go through a God-honoring process like that based upon a lot of different factors, and giving generously and giving sacrificially it could be 2%, it could be 3%. Man, based on where you are, 1% may be a serious sacrifice. For others, be more. Six for others, that would, in fact, be that kind of that guideline, that 10%. Again, given cheerfully, cheerfully <laughs> some of you aren't very cheerful cheerfully and sacrificially but let me also be clear okay for some people based upon where you are economically 10% would be way too low why because 10% would not be sacrificial now I long for the day when I can give 10% and it will not be sacrificial I'm not quite there yet all right some people are they have been blessed by God financially and if they're really going to, you know, take the principle here, they would have to say to themselves, you know, that 10%, that's not, it's great, it's wonderful, don't get me wrong, we'll cash that check, don't get me wrong, all right? But it's not sacrificial. And that's the underlying principle here. We're to give cheerfully, bountifully, sacrificially. And we do these things, they become part of our lifestyle, they become part of our budget, and they are given as a response to two things. We talk about this all the time. Given as a response to two things. Number one, who God is, and number two, what he has done. When you have an understanding of who God is and what he has done, specifically on Calvary's cross, that's where we come to him completely surrendered. Lord, here I am. The good, the bad, the not so good, everything in between. 
this is why we put together this little uh, definition of generosity we've given it to you the first two weeks let me give it to you again real quick what is generosity it is a lifestyle lifestyle it's an important word of sharing i think we can say giving a lifestyle sharing all that we have so time talent treasure time talent treasure time talent treasure all that we have two things as a demonstration of god's love and as a response to god's grace that's what i think biblical tithing is no matter what that number may be or no matter what that percentage may be we go to the lord with open trusting hearts oh lord god we're going we got some work to do what would you have that be in our lives in our financial situation everybody with me wasn't so bad was it let me give you a couple of thoughts to chew on let me give you a couple of thoughts to chew on all that being said here's the first one and oh this is one where i get wound up some of you guys know this okay let me say this to you as straightforwardly as i can say god is not in any way shape form or fashion the magic genie in the sky god is not in any way shape form or fashion the cosmic banker in the sky we do not in any shape form or fashion give to get that is and this is the appropriate word that is the heresy of the prosperity doctrine the prosperity doctrine has made its way in not only into the american church in a sickening way but all across the world as well and the prosperity doctrine says that our relationship with jesus is quid pro quo i'm going to do my part I'm going to give you that hundred bucks or whatever that number may be. And God, it is incumbent upon you because you are the cosmic banker. You are the magic genie in the sky. And you're going to give me back five, ten, fifteen, a hundredfold. It's heresy. If it won't preach and teach in a third world country, it won't preach or teach. And there are godly, godly Christians all across this world, right here in, in the beautiful country we live, that, that, that they don't have two nickels to rub together. And yet they give generously. He is not the magic genie in the sky. Can I say it any more clearly? Now, you may not. Do I believe? Now, having said that, do, do I believe that God blesses and honors our giving? You better believe I do. I think that's a biblical principle. But it, it may never, ever, ever be financially. And so as a friend uh, uh, said to me this week, uh, uh, are we okay with that? If we're not, if you're living kind of on this quid pro quo kind of thing, I'm going to do my part. God, you better do yours. That, again, that's a heart condition. And when you see these knuckleheads, men and women on, you know, on the different TV channel, whatever, and they get in this nonsense, let me just tell you, as your pastor, let me tell you, flip it off because it's heresy. I always get wound up about that. Here's the second thing. I'm going to say this in grace and love, but I'm going to say it just as straightforward as I can say it, and I'm going to give you some examples. Okay? Our generosity is an obedience issue. Let me say, if you're a follower of Jesus, some of you aren't yet, 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 but if you're a follower of Jesus, here's what Christians do. Here's what disciples of Jesus do. We live lives of loving obedience. There's nothing complex about this. We look at God's Word. We see those things that God calls us to, and not because we have to, but because we get to, not from a place of legalism, but because we have a changed heart, we say, oh, these are the things that you call us to. These are the things that we do. So let me give you some examples of that. We are called to love our fellow man and woman. And sometimes that's easy, and sometimes that's really hard. 
I can tell you that just about everybody in this room is going to be stretched later this fall because we are in an election year. Mm-hmm. Depending on which side of the aisle you are on, it's going to be really hard to love your fellow man and fellow woman. But that's what we're called to do. Regardless of whatever language they speak, regardless of the color of the skin, regardless of, of which way they vote. We live lives of loving obedience. Guys, as Christians, we're called to take care of the poor uh, and the orphans and the widows. It's not optional. It's not optional. We're Christians. We do what Christ has called us to do. And so we do that individually in our own ways. We do that as families, however God calls it. We do that as a community of faith. That's why we have what we call Share the Hope Mission. Doesn't make us any better than anybody else. Doesn't make it whatever. But that's what God calls us to do, so we do it. Jesus called us in Matthew 28. He said, Go and make disciples. It's not a suggestion. Right? So, God, what an opportunity we have. We get to tell people about Jesus. We have the greatest news in the history of the world. But he said, go and make disciples. So we tell anybody that listens about Jesus. The Spirit does all the heavy lifting. They come to know Jesus. We do all we can to raise them up. As Again, that doesn't make us better. Doesn't make all it is. But Christians do what Christians do. And it's kind of part of what we sign up for. Become a follower of Jesus. These are the things that we do. And saints, our generosity, our giving of our time and a talent or treasure is no different. It's what we do. In response to who God is, in response to what he has done. Now, number three. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Number three now. Okay? Listen to me, number three. And this is the thread that we've pulled now three weeks in a row. Saints, giving becomes legalism without the heart. Larry, leave that up. We're going to chew on that. Let that marinate for a moment or two. Giving becomes legalism with that heart. See, this is what Jesus was calling the Pharisees out for, saints. They were tithing, but their heart wasn't in the right place. They were writing the you know, proverbial check or, you know, whatever it was, however you want to. It was just, but it was legalism. And he's calling you that you're doing the right thing, but you're doing it with the wrong heart. You're neglecting the love and the justice of God. Okay, it's great and wonderful. You're getting up in your room and you're herbing all those things, but you're not doing it from the inside out. You're doing it to score points and have everybody look and say, oh, what a wonderful guy or, or gal, here she is. Giving becomes legalism without the heart. That's why we say over and over and over, what Jesus wants is your heart. And as we talked about in week one of this series, he will never, ever, 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 ever be satisfied with less than all of it. That's how much he loves you, oh, by the way. Because when he has all of your heart, that's when you begin to experience incredible life change. Because you say, here I am, the good, the not so good, and everything. Here I am, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lump of clay, I'm a lump of coal. That's when we begin to experience incredible life change. All he wants, if he's got your heart, he's got your hands, he's got your feet, he, he's got your brain, he's got your mouth, he's got the words that come out. When he's got your heart, he's got you. Okay, number four. Hang with me. Just got a few more minutes left. Hang with me. So I said week one of the series, we're going to talk very practically. So let's get very, very practical. 
And this, this fourth and, and final point here, um, we're going to go to some practicalities. And, and here it is, saints. No matter where you may be, if you're a follower of Jesus, okay? No matter where you may be, what I would encourage you today, what I would challenge you today is simply this. Take a step. Now, for some of you, it's a first step. For some of you, it's a next step. But take a step. And this is where we get to go to the generosity ladder. I told Caleb he's doing this next time. Okay. Now, for those of you that are visiting today, I lived about 20 years apart from the Lord. So when I talk about this, I'm, talk, I'm coming to you from a first-person place. All right? I'm not pointing the finger at this. We are not heavy-handed around here. And once again, take a deep breath. All right? But if you call this your church home and you're not giving, okay, then here's what I would say. Take the first step. If I go like this, some of you won't hear a word I say from now on. <laughs> Michelle Prater will be doing this. Because eh? you tell me that after we did this last time. They weren't straight. Do the best I can. That's as good as I can do. Okay? So here's what I would say. This is like going to the gym. You do not get arms like this without going to the gym. <laughs> the guns that Julie has, just unbelievable, right? Okay? You don't start getting to it. You've got to go into the gym the first time. It's the same principle in our giving. And, and I'm going to go back to something Caleb's, I've heard Caleb say on more than one occasion, and you're almost three years here, Caleb. And that is, one of the oldest tricks in the books, the evil one is, will whisper in your ear, oh, whatever you can give can't, will make no difference. I think I'm getting that right, Caleb. What, whatever it is, don't, it, it can't make any difference. Don't listen to that. The principle is much more in play than whatever that amount may be. Okay? But you can't be generous with your finances unless you take a first step. And that's hard. Been there, done that. It's hard. Okay? Now, this is the place where I was for a long time. Okay? This is where I was for a long time. And I was this. And this is better than, than nothing, but it's an occasional giver. Now, when I say that, here's what I mean by the occasional giver. Is I would give out of my excess. All right? So if I didn't, I've already said this, if, if I didn't go to Starbucks and get a caramel camiato, miliato, whatever that stuff is, what is it, what is it, a caramelletto, whatever does that cost, about $18 at Starbucks now? So if I didn't go and I didn't spend that 18 bucks, then I might throw the 18 bucks in the plate. In other words, I was giving out of my excess. I wasn't even joy-filled. I certainly wasn't sacrificial, but I was an occasional giver. I would give, but there was no rhyme or reason to my giving. Are you with me? It was just, and I had a couple extra shekels. They'd go in, they'd go in the plate. Right? So here's where we want to get, no matter the percentage, no matter the dollar amount. This is a huge first step. Was for me. Okay? But here's, here's the next big one we want to get to, straight as I can do it. We want intentionality. Again, forget the percentage, forget the dollar amount. But when I say intentional is, it's in your budget. Oh, that's a big one. It was for me. It was big. Right? So when we would write out our rent check or our mortgage check or the car note or whatever it was, 
this. We weren't giving God out of our leftovers. We're giving to God as just part of our, this is a humongous step. This takes taking a deep breath sometimes based upon what's going on in your life financially. It's taking a deep breath. But there's intentionality. It's not haphazard. It's not just when I've got a few extra. It's part of my lifestyle. It's part of my budget. By the way, same principles go with our time and talent as well as our treasure. We're just focusing on treasure this morning. Okay? Now, here's the part that took me a long time to get. Okay? And it may take you. Some of you may be a whole lot, you know, sooner than than me. But this is where we all want to get. Surrender. All right? Surrender. And that means we've gone through the process that I talked about a little bit earlier. Oh, Lord God, I don't know what this is going to mean. I, I, I don't know. Man, we're, we're, things are tight with us. You know, we've got this going on. We've got kids in college. We've got newbies. We've got... But I am going to completely surrender my life to you. Again, the good, the bad, and everything in between. And, and, as, and as difficult as this may be, and as much as I may be shaken just a little bit, I'm surrendering all of me to you, and that means... My fine, I'm surrendered. Whatever that may be. 3%, 6, 10, 20, I don't, whatever that may be, but I'm surrendered. It's all yours. This goes back to what we've talked about the last two weeks. None of this stuff is ours. It is given to us by the goodness of God. We are but stewards and managers of all God's good things. So we're surrendered, whatever that may be. Then last but not least, and some people are in this part of it's legacy and that's not based upon just how much money you give how much you give but I do believe because I know I know people who God has blessed specifically financially who are just big time kingdom builders now let me be clear Pastor Caleb and I have no idea what anybody in this church gives I'm going to be very clear about that okay so I don't know don't want to know all right but I do know we have some legacy givers and again that's not just people that only give above this but they're giving completely beyond what you might think based upon their financial situation everybody with me the point on this saints is we're all somewhere on here the point is take a step as God leads take a next step this is ultimately where we want to be how much and whatever that percentage may be that's between you and Jesus but we want to be surrendered Christians Okay, let me wrap up. There is a church that not only is God calling us to be, but I believe, and we're seeing it, there is a God, there, excuse me, there is a church that we are becoming. And it's always all about the gospel. It's always about the gospel. And the gospel is fueled by the Holy Spirit. He does all the heavy lifting, and it is empowered by our generosity. This isn't my church. It's not Caleb's church. It's not Juan's church. It's not Tasha's church. It's our church. There is a church that God is calling us to be. There is a vision that the Lord laid upon the leadership of this church, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago, whatever it was. Expanding Christ's kingdom. That's people coming to know Jesus. Expanding Christ's kingdom by growing disciple makers and planting churches. That's what we're all about. We want to tell people about Jesus. God the Spirit does what only He can do. He saves. He saves. He reconciles. We want to do all that we can to raise those folks up into fully committed, fully devoted, fully surrendered followers of Jesus 
And we want to grow the kingdom from that perspective, and we want to grow the kingdom by planting churches. That's the church that God has called us to be, and I believe with every fiber of my being, that's the church uh, that we are becoming. We want to do all that we can through the leading and power of God the Holy Spirit to fulfill that vision. But we can't do it unless we all come together and we are a generous people. First and foremost, we're generous with the gospel. We're generous with his word. We're generous in whatever way God calls us, whatever that may look like, our time, our talent, and our treasure. And I think we're beginning to see the fruit of us becoming this kind of a church. You look to the left, and you look to the right, and you look behind you, and look around. This is what we're seeing. Change lives, because that's what Jesus does. So, wherever you may be, take a step, take a next step, and I believe God will honor that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much, Lord, for the hearts of of the folks that call Crossroads home as imperfect, oh, by the way, as we are. As you, you certainly don't have to be reminded of that. But, Lord, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful, Lord, that we are a generous church, um, that we are generous with the gospel. So many people give. They just give, and they give, and they give in so many different ways. And, and Lord, for that, I'm just so incredibly thankful. Thank you, God, for your grace and, and for your mercy. Thank you, God, for the cross. I pray, Lord, for those that are struggling in this area, Lord, that you would just lead them very gently, that you would just lead them and guide them, uh, Lord, into that place, ultimately, of surrender, a surrendered life that would include surrendered giving. Thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus and all the saints agreed and said. Thanks for joining us this week. I really hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like more information on Crossroads Community Church, you can check out our website at crossroadsconnect.net. And if you are ever in our area, we would love to have you visit us in person at 3003 South Eola Road in Aurora, Illinois. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to having you join us again soon.